you're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps dude, a course creator, and an open source maintainer in the world of container and cloud native DevOps. These episodes are edited down audio-only versions of my YouTube live show that you can join every Thursday at brett.live. This podcast is made possible by my Patreon members. I'd like to thank all of you patrons for your continued support. It means a lot. Your podcast player should have the show notes for this episode, including links to the original show on YouTube, topics or tools we might discuss, how to support this show with Patreon, and links to get discount coupons on all my courses. You can always get those notes and links at brettfisher.com. In this episode, I'm joined by Guillaume Tardif and Felipe Cruz. Both are software engineers at Docker Inc. And we're doing a deep dive into their new Docker desktop extensions, or what they're just calling Docker extensions. Now, I'll be honest, when Docker first pitched the idea to the captains early this year, I wasn't coming up with any good ideas or additional features or third-party tools that I would want extending my Docker desktop dashboard. If you remember the dashboard, that's the GUI in Docker desktop that they're putting a lot of effort in nowadays, and it has way more features than it did just a few years ago. So I wasn't really sure what would be a useful extension or if I'd even use it, but I was totally wrong. By the time Docker had released this feature at DockerCon in May 2022, there were already a dozen solid extensions, including a better disk usage manager for cleaning up and pruning your Docker stuff, a searchable log explorer, and a bunch of other third-party tools like Portainer, Sneak, and Anchor that were all just a click install away. Now today, there's nearly 20 in the extension marketplace and there are some surprising additions like running OpenShift inside of Docker, Telepresence, Tailscale, all in your Docker desktop. Each extension gets its own interface in the dashboard and can automate a lot in the background with Docker Engine and Compose. So Guillaume and Felipe walk us through how the extensions came about, how to install them, how to submit your own to the marketplace, and more. We also look at their SDK example code and we build our own using a demo on the live show. Now, we cut out demos here in the podcast format, so check the show notes for links to the live show where you can watch the demos. But what they did is they took my Docker volume backup and restore tool that maybe not a lot of people know about, but I call it backup, and it's just a simple shell script that automates doing a backup or restore of your volumes into your local file system or into a Docker image. And they decided to take that script and turn it into a Docker extension. So they showed me in the code during the live show how they added some of the functionality of my tool into a GUI that you would use from Docker Desktop. And it was quite interesting how easy it was, how fast they were able to develop it, and where it integrates with the Docker Desktop extensions and the UI and all that. I think Docker extensions will be useful to most people that use Docker Desktop. Surely there'll be at least a few that you will probably want to use on your own. And with so many good ideas already in the extension marketplace, I'm looking forward to see where Docker takes this feature in the future. Please enjoy this conversation with Guillaume Tardif and Felipe Cruz of Docker. Hello, my name is Brett. Welcome to the show. This week, I'm excited to have two Docker staff engineers on the show with me, Guillaume Tardif and Felipe Cruz out of Europe. So we're on two sides of the ocean today. I'm very excited to have you both here. Hello. Nice to meet you, everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for having us, Brett. Felipe, tell us, how did you get to Docker and what do you do there? 
Yeah, well, I feel that I have been part of Docker for a lot of years, although I joined almost a year ago in September, because I, I have been pretty much working with containers and all things Docker in previous companies. So it really felt like the, a good next move to go uh, into Docker and help the people there building the product and, you know, they just try to reach also more developers through software engineering, which is what, what they do at Docker. Yeah. And Guillaume, introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks. I joined Docker about five years ago. Before this, I've been working in a few consulting companies and a few startups, mainly in the Java world, surprisingly. And so now at Docker, I've done absolutely zero Java for the past five years, but a lot of other things. <laughs> working on Docker desktop, so I've done some Mac development with Swift, some C Sharp on Windows, on the Windows side. I've done a lot of things on Docker desktop. I've worked a bit on the CLI Compose, especially Compose V2. And more recently, I've been working on dev environments and, and we started working on extensions pretty much a few months after Felipe joined maybe. So during autumn uh, last year, and we've been focusing on that for the past, uh, since then. Nice. Yeah. That's a uh, compose V2. One of my favorite things I use it almost daily and dev environments is something that I want to get back into. I started using it right when it first launched and then lost focus, <laughs> lost the focus of how to use that tool. So I'm excited that's still getting love and that hopefully we'll hear some new things about that. So today we're focusing on Docker extension, really trying to focus on Docker desktop since we have the Docker team with us. So th that's going to be the questions we answer today. So we, you announced Docker extensions at DockerCon. So if people haven't watch the DockerCon keynotes, you should go do that, dockercon.com. And Docker announced a whole bunch of things and Docker extensions was one of them. It was my, it's, again, like I'm saying, it's my favorite new thing. And I didn't know what good extensions there would be at first. Like when you all asked the captains, hey, we're gonna do this extensions thing and we were all trying to learn what it's about. And I had a heart, I was like, I don't really know what I would want. And now that we have this list, and there's all these things in there. I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. And these are all the things I need. So thank you for, that was a great idea. I, I hope everyone uses them just because it's something now that I'm using a lot more than I expected. So what are Docker extensions? Who's going to take, who's going to start off? What are Docker extensions? I can start if you want. So when we started to think about this, we wanted to make Docker a bit more modular and also give the ability, not just for us internally at Docker, but to external people, the community or partners to bring their own tools into Docker desktop. So we wanted to uh, let other people bring new features into Docker desktop, uh, in integrate existing tools, create new tools, and uh, let some partners bring their tools inside the, the Docker desktop and have some feature where it's all integrated with the existing uh, containers view, image view in, the, in desktop and the features about, I don't know, looking at your Kubernetes cluster and having some links from your containers that you can see in desktop with what you want to deploy in Kube cluster, all these sort of things. So really the goal was to uh, allow external people, community or partners to bring new features into desktop. So we didn't know upfront what kind of features we are going to have. We had some, a few ideas, but obviously uh, we are also hoping to get tons of uh, ideas from the community and from the external world and uh, not just get features developed by Docker internally. That's one of the main goal. Yeah, very cool. Anything to add there, Felipe? If you think about Docker desktop, we have been in the past having this nice platform where you can build and run your containers. And now we are giving this opportunity for developers to build whatever they want inside it. So it's, it's a very good way to extend the current Docker desktop functionality. We have been listening to some people always saying, 
it could be great if Docker had this thing, A, B, C, and now it's the time for developers, you know, to kick in and start building things inside Docker Desktop. Yeah, it's actually, and, and I know we've had plugins and other things before, and it's nice that, like you said, that I can add functionality to my own Docker Desktop or submit it to the store and have, you know, where are we calling it a store? That's a Docker extensions list or whatever. And Docker doesn't have to maintain it because obviously you have limited number of engineers, not every feature. I mean, if you're someone who's watched over the years, the, the number of requests coming into Docker and into Mobi for all the things that everyone wants containers to do, it's a vast and it's a lot. And this is actually really cool that people could potentially, you know, there's already a lot of functionality in here that you just kind of get out of the box now with these extensions. So I have a quick question. This is a random one. I'm just going to ask it now because I don't, may not remember it later, but are extensions always running in their own container? Is that how they execute? Not necessarily. An extension can be just a, a user interface, like okay. an index HTML page that you have. It's like you have your place inside Docker Desktop. You have a tab on the left drawer, and through that tab, you can display some HTML content with JavaScript, anything that you want in there. But it doesn't necessarily need a backend running behind the scenes. If you want right. to extend the functionality with an API, for instance, then you can have that API running as a backend container. Okay. Yeah. If I can follow up on the on your question, Brett, or maybe to clarify things, so you don't need to have a container running for your extension. What you do need is to have an image, which is the packaging of the extension. So we use images as the packaging for extensions. If you want to build your extension, you are going to put things inside an image. And when we install an extension, essentially we pull the image and we extract things from it. And either we put things on the host, if you have things to deploy on the host for your extension, if you run a backend container, then we can use the same image as the backend container as well. So oh, you okay. don't always need to have a container, but you need to have an image which acts as the package mechanism for extensions. Yeah, because it all just kind of works and then you don't really know how it's working. So it's good. It sounds like, like Docker Desktop is not coming bundled with these things. It's just a menu and you, when you choose to install one, it's kind of like a VS Code extension, I guess. It's at that point, it's like yeah, download from the internet. Yeah, and it puts some things on the host, some things in containers if they need it. Yeah, that's cool. So this is something that is in Docker desktop only, right? This is not a Docker engine feature or a Docker CLI feature. This is all about the GUI, right, of Docker desktop. The dashboard is, I think, what you call it. Yeah, it's only it only applies to Docker desktop and from versions from 4.80 and above. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so in the future, we might have some other extension points in extension that might go a bit wider and you might have some extension points maybe in the hub or in the engine, but for the moment, directly into desktop. Right. Okay. So yeah, since desktop 4.8.0, you've got this, this marketplace that's inside the dashboard. So you can, when you land on Docker desktop, you can just click on uh, add extensions and that brings you to the marketplace. And so this is really a set of selected extensions that we have bundled. So uh, it's not bundled with desktop, but uh, we have this list of selected extensions. In the future, we might open it more widely so that uh, it's easier to bring your community extension in the marketplace. Currently, you've got a, a submission process to go through to get into this marketplace. So. If you want to create your own extension, you can do that. If you want to make it part of the marketplace, you need to go to a submission page and just send us the details about your extension. We'll go through some review process, maybe ask for some changes and check if it, if it can be included in the marketplace. So is it similar to an Apple app where I have to submit and wait for 
yeah, wait basically, for you to reject it. <laughs> you're submitting your extension and you have to wait for a return, maybe some feedback on what to change, etc. And yeah, because this is just the very beginning. So we launched this at DockerCon. It was just a month ago. So in between, we've already added a couple of extensions with the latest desktop release, the 4.9 that came out one month later. And we'll add some more in the, the coming uh, releases of desktop. Yeah, we, it's really the, the beginning. So we hope to have uh, a lot more coming up and to, to have uh, new ideas from partners and community to, to get into it. So there's a, a variety of different extensions. You've got different categories. You've got things around Kubernetes, like uh, using telepresence, or there are a few extensions around Kubernetes. There are a few extensions about security where you can scan your images. We've got some utility tools. So just in general, we want to have something that's dead easy to install. So you just have a, an install button. You don't need to go to website, download something. or So it's all in product. You just click install. It pulls the corresponding extensions. So extensions our images, we pull them from the hub, and then we extract things from the extension to install it either inside Docker Desktop or inside the VM or the host, depending on the kind of extensions. And then once this is installed, so I know I can open or I can directly go to this new tab that I've got here. And this extension is really a utility tool to give you a visual representation of what what space is used by Docker Desktop and in which category you're using space. You can reclaim things. So if you see that you've got too many, too much space used by build cache, you can just drop this with a clicking this button. I want to mention real quick that we just had this conversation in the captain's channel where somebody was asking and wishing that Docker could do a thing and it was related to disk usage and how to do cleanup visually. <laughs> and then one of you, and somebody was like, yeah, that's an extension. You can just go click on it to install and it's there. And so it was a perfect example of how like someone made an extension to solve someone else's problem and you know, it works. Yeah. And so there's obviously a lot of different extensions with a lot of different levels of complexity. For example, is a, a good example. There is a tool in the CLI, you can do Docker system DF and it shows you pretty much this information, but you just need to know the CLI syntax. And then you've got different commands to prune the build cache or to prune the images with various flags, etc. So the extension is not providing new functionalities, just providing easier ways to access existing functionality so that users don't need to know all the different flags and the CLI commands to do all this. And we've got a lot of users using this one, actually. It's pretty popular in the marketplace. And I haven't checked the exact numbers of the, the CLI invocations, but I'm pretty sure that some people never used to clean up this space before. And because this is visual and they don't need to learn about the CLI, they now have access to this tool that they were not using before. So I, I think it also drives usage from, from people who didn't use the CLI, people at, who didn't use the, the CLI at all before and who now just use the usual interface because it's much easier to get, get started with. Yeah, the question on 4.8.2 and the marketplace does not match what you're showing. Aren't we on like 4.9 something now? This is 4.9. So the marketplace probably is not the same. We plan to have it a bit more dynamic. The content of the extension should be exactly the same because we pull the latest version of the extension when you install it. So if you have an, an old version installed, you will get some notification updates, for example. And if it's out of date, if there's a new version of it in the marketplace, I will have some notification here saying that I can update to the new version. Okay, so let me make sure I understand this. So the extension list, the actual list of tools that are there are version dependent upon Docker desktop. So if someone's, is that true? At the moment, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so we just need to update to 4.9 or whatever the latest is. And then once you're on the most recent Docker desktop version, 
the extensions themselves update independently of that. It sounds like so you're like you have to go through and click the buttons to update them, which I think I've had exactly. to do a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. and which means mm -hmm. also that the extension providers can just push new versions of their extensions at their own pace. They are not dependent on desktop releases to push new versions of the extension. So we Docker, we can push this, this usage extension when we want. And if you go to the marketplace, all these partners, they can push their versions of their extension when they like. Uh, they don't need to wait for the next desktop release to, to push something new. So every extension has its own release cycle completely independently of desktop. And yeah. then once you've installed an extension, you get the updates about it for new versions. And until you install it, whenever you click the install button, you get the latest version that's available. Just a small note for extensions that yeah. are not in the marketplace. You can use the extension CLI to install them. So people can still install it through the CLI. Right. Yeah, okay. you were asking this, I think, a few minutes ago, Brett, about sideloading extensions or installing extensions that are not in the marketplace. Anyone can do that. You just need to install the extension CLI. That, uh, that allows you also to create your own extensions. But if you don't want to create your own extension, you can use the CLI to install extensions provided by other people, even if they're not in the marketplace. Yeah. Okay. And question, this is kind of related to the new version, not directly extensions related, but is the RAM and CPU usage we now get at the bottom of the dashboard, is that the whole system or Docker desktop itself? It's just Docker desktop uh, itself. Is is the VM that's running uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. So it's not related to extension though, but yeah, it's Docker desktop. Yeah, oh, that's, Docker, cool. I liked it. So let's get into the demos. So the goal I think today is we're going to build a Docker extension and these two fine people have decided to volunteer my, I have a tool called Vacup, so it's volume backups. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but <laughs> I made a little tool on GitHub that allows you to run a simple little command that will take a volume and turn it into a image or that you do a bunch of different things. You can basically export ex volumes, import volumes, back them up to images, restore them from images, whatever. And it's just a little shell script. And so you guys are going to turn that into an extension. I'm very curious how this is going to work. So let's do it. Hey there, podcast listener. At this point in the live show, which this podcast comes from, we do a pretty detailed demo getting into a lot of the features and it didn't necessarily make sense to put this in an audio only podcast. So if you're interested more in the tool and how it functions, check out a link in the show note that will take you to the YouTube live that this comes from, and then you can get the full demo there. We're now going to jump back into the conversation after we're done with most of that demo. Someone in chat while ago mentioned um, Portainer. That's a really good one. A lot of people like Portainer. I know a lot of people that take my courses and, and use Swarm, and they like Portainer for that as well. Nowadays, by the way, Portainer does Nomad, Kubernetes, and Swarm. So it does, I think it's the only one that's like three orchestrators all in one tool. If you don't know about Portainer, it's like a, it's like a web GUI for doing all the things that you would need to do with Docker and Kubernetes and stuff like that. So it's pretty great. It's a pretty great dashboard. And they have some really, they were on the show earlier this year. So we have a whole, if you are interested in Portainer, you go back and you'll find one on a whole hour talking about Portainer. But each, a lot of these extensions were tools on their own, like maybe command line tools or tools you had to manually install with a container. But now they're just a one button away kind of approach. You don't have to go like the, the great thing about this tool, like we're talking about my little idea for something called backup and I would never remember the exact commands to use. And so now I wouldn't have to know them, right? I could just click the button. I would have to remember the exact command. And it's, that's at least some for those occasional commands like that. It's nice to have a GUI instead of having to remember the command. 
So effectively, yeah. we've got these two benefits, if I can say that. So the fact that you're just one click away from, you don't need to go to a website and download the CLI and put it somewhere with your some folder that's included in your path so that it's available. You can just click on install from the desktop and you don't need to do anything else. And you've got the UI that reduces the knowledge uh, threshold to, to use the tool because you just can visually see the list of containers or list of volumes and uh, click on the export button. Hey, audio listener. It turns out we did another demo. So this is where we cut that one out to. Now, one thing I want to point out for everyone out there, by the way, is like some of these extensions do really cool stuff. (laughs) There's a VPN one in there. There's all these different things, ones that manage, install certain Kubernetes releases. I don't even know how they work, but don't do what I did and then go install all of them all at once and then expect your Docker desktop to sit at 0% CPU because it, it won't because there's all these things running. There's Now, when you pause Docker, right, because we have the feature in Docker to pause, does that also pause extensions, extension containers from running in the background? Yeah, if you pause Docker, basically you're pausing the VM, so it's going to pause all the containers. So obviously we're... These containers are just hidden from the containers view, but apart from this, they are just normal containers. So when you create your extension and you want to have a backend, you basically you generate a, you create a compose file to express what containers you want to run. If you need specific volumes to be mounted or if you need specific capabilities, you can express all of these in the compose file for your backend. You can even have extensions that have several containers running as the backend if you specify different containers in your compose file. But it's all it's just a normal compose file, so there's nothing very specific to extension. It's using normal containers, normal compose files. Yeah, that's what kind of mentioned earlier, create a compose file in HTML. And like I feel like there's very little for me to learn here other than just maybe the UI bits and then the SDK extension points and then everything else is familiar, right? I've got Docker Compose, I have to build an image. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, you build a uh, compose file for your backend if you want to have a backend. And on the front end, if you need to do things with Docker, you can use all the knowledge that you already have about the CLI and you can just invoke CLI commands from your extension to do Docker inspect, Docker list images, Docker run a container with specific parameters, etc. Yeah. So in your demo of my demo, I don't know how many people actually use my backup tool, but (laughs) a few people have actually expressed excitement and act like they would use it. Does the current demo that you created do all four of the different commands? No. Or is it, or did you just do? (laughs) We... We wanted to to let you finish the work. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, what's next for Dwight? <laughs> what's no, next? Yeah, for so we got to add the extra, the import. We're missing an import. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you remember correctly, we have a total of four commands, export, import, save, and load. We have only implemented the first one, export. Yeah. So then now it's up to you, Brett, or to the community. You know, yeah. the wrap is open source, so people can just jump in and finish the, the remaining bits. Yeah, very cool. And for those of you, if there's anyone out there that's actually used my backup tool, let me know because I'd be interested to see if this was something that people would actually use and we could actually submit to the extension store. And of course, you will deny it the first time and tell me my code is horrible because it will be (laughs) and make it better, Brett. So I I think I can handle the compose file, but uh, not a huge React developer. So I'll have to copy and paste a lot. I think the other thing I was thinking was, here's my example. I have three different machines that I run Docker desktop on because as an instructor, I need, I have my Linux machine, my Windows machine, my Mac machine, so I can have all the different Docker desktop setups. 
And these settings and none of this stuff is really tied to my Docker account. So I think maybe a roadmap feature I might submit is just like with VS Code extensions. I'm trying to draw all the parallels to VS Code extensions here. And I'm like, okay, we need a <laughs> website that lists all the extensions. And then I click the button and it opens up in Docker Desktop. And then we need the ability for my account to sync all my extensions. So when I install Docker Desktop next time, it auto loads all my favorite extensions like Vacup, of course. So if you didn't know, Docker has a roadmap GitHub repo and you can abuse that all you'd like. They can ignore all of them. All they, I have had many requests in there that have never gotten any love, but I am selfish and I will ask all of you every time I make a, a roadmap issue, I ask everyone in this live stream to go and upvote it. So when I make these, I will mention it and maybe get some upvotes to this. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And we've got a few ideas of things around this. Like effectively we could store your list of extensions with your account so that whenever you go to another machine with Docker desktop, you synchronize your list of extensions. We also have some ideas about if you're in a team account, you can share this list of extension with your teammates. And in some cases, large companies might want to have their own list of extensions or own custom marketplace. So we have these sort of things in our minds for the roadmap of extensions. Yeah. A security question. Obviously, the stuff that's running in the backend container, that's all running in a container, so it's limited to its exposure. But the UI code is running in the Docker desktop process? The UI code currently is running in a, in a web view. You don't have access to the kind of Electron uh, backend side of the UI, so you can only show some uh, UI code really and not Node.js uh, backend side code with your extension. And it's running inside the UI process and as a web view so that it's isolated from the rest of desktop. And you, if you mess the style of your extension, you don't mess up the entire desktop. Oh yeah, yeah. Good, point. good point. So it's oh, sort crash. of sandbox. We try to sandbox it a bit, but there are some limitations. It's not totally sandboxed. And also yeah. we didn't want to we didn't want to lock too much the extensional source from being creative. So the SDK allows you to run any Docker commands, including deleting containers, deleting images. So if you want to harm people with your extension, you can do that. This is also why currently we have a sort of closed list of selected extensions in the marketplace. And we do some reviews of, you, you can't just push your extension to the marketplace freely right. without the, uh, any review. And this, so this and, is also running under your user, right? This isn't running as root on my Mac or anything absolutely, like that. Yeah, yeah. no, there, there is no way with the extension where you can escalate as root and do things uh, as root on the machine. Right. Even, so you might be able to harm a container, but you can't harm you can't harm the system kind of thing. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you can do things on the host, but only as user and not as root. So one thing we really wanted to do at the beginning was to not lock people and prevent them from being creative with extensions. So this is why the SDK and the model of extension is quite widely open at the moment. And we wanted to just let people be creative with extensions. We've got this uh, closed marketplace so that we've got some control over what you can install with the UI. And if people want to install uh, other extensions that are not part of the marketplace, you would do this at your own risk and you'd have to trust the extensional source uh, that they're not trying to be malicious with, uh, with you or with your system. Yeah, some of the ones in there, like the OpenShift from Red Hat, I really didn't expect stuff like that to actually well, one, just come into the fruition. Like it just happened, but it's an interesting way where it expands my, the idea of what I have around what Docker desktop can do and what it can't is now, that idea is now broken because I see things in extensions like whatever the VPN ones and the OpenShift one for a Kubernetes. Do any of them actually create like external VMs that are not in a Docker container? Typically, they will use the desktop VM and they will create new containers inside the desktop VM and do kubin Docker to create a kube cluster. 
for the ones that do create a kube cluster. Telepresence will mo more connect to a remote kube cluster and allow you to run one or two microservices on your laptop and connect them to the rest of the kube cluster and debug things in your local microservices. So the, yeah, depending on the extension, they might create a kube cluster locally or they might just connect to a, a, a remote uh, target. And in the marketplace, yeah, we've got a few extensions around Kubernetes, but we also have various uh, target platforms represented. So we didn't want to be restrictive there. And we have a few ones about Kubernetes. We've got uh, OpenShift, we've got Octeto, we've got different target platforms that are uh, available here with tools coming to improve the development cycle for these target platforms. Yeah. And we just plan to have more coming in the marketplace. Does the, I'm, I'm just picking on the Red Hat one specifically just because I haven't played with it yet, but I remember seeing it. Are any of the ones that install their own Kubernetes, do they allow you to have multi-node Kubernetes clusters? I ask that just because I know that that's a common request I get is wishing that Docker Desktop would have multiple VMs so that you could actually like create a three-node swarm or a three-node Kubernetes cluster or whatever. Not that I know of locally, and I guess that would quickly be quite heavy on your laptop if you start. Kubernetes itself is quite heavy, so yes, which yes. Kubernetes cluster would be quite heavy on your laptop. But yeah. yeah, you could imagine doing something like this. Yeah, I, I think that we can actually run a few Kubernetes clusters from, you know, with kind, you can have multiple extensions creating their own uh, Kubernetes cluster. Yeah. yeah. And then you just switch in the kubeconfig, you can switch to a different cluster and target one or the other. But that there's yeah. nothing preventing you from having multiple Kubernetes clusters locally from different right. extensions. Yeah, I've used Kind before, Kubernetes and Docker. That's the Kind project. I'm a huge fan now of K3D just because it is wicked fast to start up a K3S cluster. And I use that now in, in GitHub Actions, right? Because it can spin it up. It can spin up a single node cluster in less than 30 seconds. And in my courses, people actually spin up, I think, a three node swarm cluster. And then eventually there's a section coming that will have them building like a three node Kubernetes cluster. And of course, assuming they have enough memory and storage and CPU to handle all that, I'm just sitting here thinking out loud of, it would be kind of fun so that they could do it in Docker Desktop rather than me saying, okay, go download MultiPass. Okay, create three VMs in MultiPass. Now install Docker in the three of them. Now install Kubernetes. You know, there's obviously a learning process there, but it would be fun to just say, click this extension and then click a button and then boom, you have a three node K3D cluster or something. So I'm putting that out there to the internet. If someone hasn't made it yet, like maybe someone will, or maybe, <laughs> maybe some of my students will motivate me to make that extension or figure that out. That would be fun. I'd probably need some help with React stuff because... I'm new to React. I just have avoided that for the longest time. So I'm probably just going to copy and paste from all the other extensions. That's actually another question. Are there all these extensions open source and can I go look at them and like yeah, see how they're, they're made and all that? They are not specifically open source. Some of them are, but not all of them. And we have some plans internally to open source the two that are currently in the marketplace. QsEdge and extended logs are created by Docker, but they're not yet open source just because initially, just for the, the, the fun story, they were started as a, a one day hackathon internally at Docker. And uh, we had like 20 different extensions from this uh, hackathon. And <laughs> we selected a couple to include in the marketplace after voting for the most useful ones. Yeah. So they were created like uh, in, uh, in 24 hours uh, initially. And so. I think one of the repository is still called hacks dash something. So we need to clean things up. <laughs> yeah. Thinking out loud a little bit, thinking that if I'm curious about what an extension is doing to my machine, I would like to see the source code. I could imagine people maybe asking that. Uh, several of these, uh, you know, I'm surprised, like these, several of these are Kubernetes focused 
And I'm just excited. I'm excited that this is a thing and that we're going to see every new release now of, of Docker desktop. I'm like, okay, what new extensions do I get today? And uh, the list has already yeah. gotten, it's only been out a few months and the list is long enough that I'm now, I wouldn't be able to know what was new because I can't keep track of them all. The captains got, we were lucky. We got in early before the beta and, you know, it was like four or five in there. And then it, I was just really impressed by how the community came together really quick to build a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of extensions all, all at the same time for DockerCon and stuff. So. Congrats, I guess. <laughs> that hackathon worked. It was a good it was a good internal idea. So maybe I should mention so currently we've seen that extensions allow you to add new tabs in the left hand side. And we're also looking at expanding the SDK as well so that we can have more extension points. So maybe in the future we'll have things like custom actions available on containers or images so that you've got different extension points in the UI and not just tabs on the left hand side. So you could have, yeah, for example, custom actions on images so that you can run specific things and your extension might uh, be specific to uh, containers or images or so we are looking at ways to improve the SDK and it's definitely still a work in progress to provide more possibilities to extensions. Yeah. So watch this space. Yeah. I would like to another request to have the ability to put an extension in the dropdown menu so I can have, all I would do is I would make an extension that enables and disables Kubernetes from the dropdown menu. Cause that used to be a thing. And every time I get a Docker person on the show, I say, bring back the ability for me to turn on and off Kubernetes from the menu. I can pause now, which is a pretty good, pretty good thing, but I'm often, I'm often needing to reset or just Kubernetes or, or uninstall it. Cause I don't want it running in the background when I don't need it. And it used to be in the dropdown list. So now I want to make an extension for it. And all the only thing it does, it just checks a box in the settings. So I don't have to go into settings. All right. I know we got to wrap it up, but any last things, any last thoughts? People. Maybe just a word about the submission process. So we've got a web page where you can submit your extension. You've got to provide some, a few information about the extension, some screenshots, etc. But uh, yeah, hopefully uh, people will uh, be able to go and create some new extensions, either integrate existing tools or create new things. And you can submit your extension if you want to share this with us and uh, see if we can uh, get it in the marketplace. Right. So you're very happy to look at extensions. And even if you don't want, in some cases, you might want to just create your extension and share it with colleagues. So you don't need to put it in the marketplace. You can share it with some colleagues and they can install the extension with the, the CLI. Uh, typing Docker extension install with your image that you've created. I love it. All right. For those of you out there that are wanting to help with open source, this is your chance. I, every once in a while, we get a question from people about how do they get started. And, you know, my, my backup could use some more features. So I'm just <laughs> saying there's an opportunity there. Yeah. Well, Looking forward to it. Yeah. And thanks again for doing that. That's fun. And thanks a lot for hosting us. That's, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, it's been great. And I'm excited about this feature and we'll probably have to have another discussion on next year, but all the new, we'll have a gigantic list and that'll be your new problem is how do you handle 150 extensions in the store or in the marketplace? Yeah, we, so we are looking at this yeah. at the moment as well, but yeah, yeah. that's a future problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's a really good problem to have. Yeah. That's right. A problem of success. It's still a problem, but yeah, yeah it's a good one. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Guillaume, Felipe. So if you have any questions, I'm going to volunteer these two people for being on Twitter and answering any questions you have about extensions. Of course, there is a Docker Community Slack. If you just Google Docker Community Slack, you'll probably find the sign up for that. There's an extension channel in there, right? Yes, the we have one for people to make questions. So. Yeah, perfect. All right, everyone. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.